Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, Pete Mitchell here. For this week's episode of the Church Planner Podcast, Peyton and I felt it would be great to give you an example of how he transitions a church and the message he actually delivers when he's leaving his church plant and going on to plant another church. So I know you're going to get a lot out of this. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thanks so much, guys. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul was short, just saying. I'm stalling while you turn in your Bible. He was also bald. Did you know that? There's a contemporary account of him. They said he had a, a hook nose and bandy legs, which means he was bow-legged. And, uh, of course, that, it's kind of cool, the historical account, because uh, the bow-leggedness came from getting, you know, he says, I got the, uh, the whip, the scourge, uh, 39 times, 40 minus 1. Uh, that actually, they would go around each side, and then they would go up under your groin. And that would rip the tendons, and that would make you bow-legged. So anyways, there you go. Now you know. Knowing's half the battle. The other half is a lot of violence. First Corinthians chapter 3. All right. And we're going to read from verse 1. And uh, this is not going to be a sermon um, necessarily. I know this is like the time at which you listen to sermons. This is going to be an address. It is going to be from the Word of God. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk here about some important things that Paul said. But what I'm saying is it will be a sermon, but it won't be necessarily expositional. I think you'll find that will have a whole lot of Bible in it. But you know how like sometimes you just need someone to talk to you? This is one of those Sundays. We just need someone to talk to us from the Word of God. Okay? 
So I'm not looking at preaching a three-point sermon and boom, boom, boom. I'm going to talk. You ready? This is family time. Let's talk. 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it, and even now, you are not ready. That's kind of a downer to start off like that, huh? I'm not thinking you. Don't worry. This is the Corinthians. This isn't why I picked it. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled and master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let me hear some amens on that. Amen. That is the foundation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So Paul's addressing a church that had a uh, rotation of leaders who had come through. Now we know since Refuge Long Beach has been planted, we had uh, Charlie Marquez back in the beginning. We had Ruben. We had Mike's been with us since the beginning. Chris, one of the best teachers on planet Earth, in my opinion, uh, is here. I don't think you guys know how, maybe you do, how blessed you are. Yeah, we know, his wife, we know. I live with this. But here's the deal. What I love about this is how Paul sees his entire ministry. And and what I want to talk about today is, what is this church all about? You know, I, I don't come here so often anymore. And as I come, I see new faces. And pretty much, uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, it was very telling when I turned up one Sunday and someone said, hey, that bald guy said, and I love that because, you know, as one of the church planners, to have someone call me the bald guy, it's like I did my job. Like George Whitfield said, they asked him once, George Whitfield, they said, hey, will, John Wesley is forming his own denomination. What about us? We need to form ours too, because our theology is different. And Whitfield said, let the name of Whitfield perish. Let only the name of Jesus Christ endure. Amen? That is the DNA of this church. 
And the Apostle Paul, what you may not realize is he only stayed in each church for three to four months at a time. He did a marathon in Ephesus where he was there for two and a half years. When he kicked off his ministry, he spent a year, lucky them, in Antioch. And so this is very applicable to me because as you notice, I'm not here that much anymore. God's called me to a more apostolic ministry. Don't freak out that I use that term. It means guys on the move. So when I first got back from the UK, my friends used to say, hey, why don't you settle down, get a real job, and, uh, you know, become a pastor. And I told them, because I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm called to be a foundation layer. I roll in, I evangelize, I lay a foundation, I raise up leadership, and I get the heck out of Dodge. That's what I do. And that's what Paul did. And what Paul had heard, and, and so you know that we had a, a whole series of, of revolving people in and off our team, it began to look a lot like the New Testament. You see, we think often that our churches look like the New Testament. But Refuge Long Beach really looks like the New Testament. What's beautiful is that I don't think we have this problem because from day one, the problem that Paul's facing here I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter. I don't think we have that problem at all. In fact, really, the good thing is no one seems to mind that I'm not here that often, which is good. Because in future, the the avenues that God has opened up for me right now. So I, I just want to give you an update, and then we'll springboard into when Paul says what his ministry is as a foundation layer. I want to talk about that. What was the foundation that we laid here? at Refuge Long Beach? And how can you as a congregation build? Because that's where Paul goes. Paul says, hey, I laid a foundation. I did it like a wise and master builder. That's what Paul said. I'm not saying that. Paul said that about himself. But he says, now others are building on it. And by the way, that's a good thing. If you ever heard a pastor quote, hey, you know, you're building on another man's foundation. That's a good thing. Because in the New Testament, as you look at the map, you see guys moving all over the place, right? And Paul says, he's meaning that positive. I have to move on so the gospel can spread. Amen? So here's what's been happening for me. So uh, I've been helping, Enter and I have been down with, uh, we've been in, in Oceanside with a group of churches called Generation. And what we've been doing, if, if you don't know, uh, is that we've been helping a church there, uh, it's a church plan. It's a series of church plans. One of them's an established church. And then we've been helping a guy who needed to take a break and a sabbatical um, just because he was getting burnt out. He's trying to do it all by himself. He read Church Zero. He tapped me and said, hey, can you help me? And we said, sure, no problem. So we've been teaching team leadership to that church, that movement of churches. And now um, we're going to be moving on from there. But uh, I, I got a knock on the door about six months ago, from something called the North American Mission Board. Um, They're connected to a little small denomination. You've probably never heard of them, called the Southern Baptists. Um, You know, they're real small. Um, But anyways, they they knocked on the door and said, hey, would you help us uh, train our church planning trainers? And I said, sure. And And I explained to them, look, you know, this fits exactly what I do. Because what, what a lot of people don't realize is at a certain point for me, church planning became less about church planning and more like Paul, where it became about raising up other leaders. 
I will always, till the day I die, have an absolute passion for lost people. But I have a passion to see that passion ignited in others. And that gives me more of a joy. The reason I start off taking a picture this morning is because I'm looking out here. I, it, it always hits me when I haven't been here for a while. When I come and I look around and I go, my gosh, that person's life and that person. And I see the Holy Spirit coming out of you guys. I see God moving in some of you. And I'm like, what's awesome about this? I can't take a shred of credit. I, I came, I laid a foundation, but you guys had to build. And you've built it. And I'm coming back and going, I'm astonished. That person has come leaps and bounds in their walk with God. Remember a few months ago, um, I came back, I, I saw Alan. Alan, where are you? Where's Alan? Hey, hey, what are you doing hiding back there? And I said, I, I, there was just something different about him. And I said, Alan, man, what, what, what's going on with you? Did you get your hair cut? And he goes, well, actually I did. But, and I said, you know, that's not it. I see Jesus in you, man. There was this light coming off of Alan that I had never seen before. And as I looked around, I got emotional. I stood at the back this morning, and I just looked around going, all these lives changed. People off the street, people off drugs, people out of the sex trade, people with purpose, people realizing that God can and wants to use them. That's amazing. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm addicted to church planting. And so you'll still see me from time to time. I might show my face in here, but I'm not needed. I'm really not. Our team here is so radically amazing that like Paul, it's like, you know what? The foundation is Jesus. And we're all building on him. This isn't a, uh, it's not a farewell. It's a, I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> so I know because some of you guys are going, well, what does this mean? Look, what I'm saying is um, I'm doing what God's called me to do. And that's empowering you guys. And now God's called me to empower others and to move on. I had another book coming out in 2017. That's just a brag, okay? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> But there's a lot of cool stuff happening right now that uh, it's just been mind-blowing. But I have to tell you, when I go, wherever I'm going right now, if I'm speaking at a conference, I literally am talking about you guys and what I've seen in Refuge Long Beach. I'm literally, when I'm training planners, when I'm talking on the podcast, you, you don't listen to the podcast. We talk like 30 minutes about Star Wars and then 30 minutes about real stuff. You'll find yourself in there. You'll be like, oh, he talked about me. And it may not always be pleasant. <laughs> Mike had to, he, he tapped me a couple of weeks ago. Thanks for mentioning the jewelry party or the gold party again, Peyton. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. I was talking about how guys grow. But you know what's interesting is so many times, so you come into this, and here we go. I, I want to talk to you about the foundation we laid. Number one, it was Jesus. Jesus all the way. If you remember when we first started, I want to walk some of you that have kind of come to the church since then, I want to walk you through what foundation we laid and why. So if you come in and you're like, why is this church like this? Like, do they know that they're kind of weird? Yeah, we know. It's intentional. We know we're different. And we've intentionally set out to be different. We have not set out to be polished because that's not where we're at, right? I, I feel like we're, we're uh, Jesus said to, to the Pharisees, you know, and the crowd, what did you come out here to see when they saw John the Baptist? 
you know, kings and palaces, hey, they're, they're found in Jerusalem. You won't find those here. I feel like, you know, hey, what'd you come out to see? A polished service? No, you'll find that in Orange County. That, that's not Long Beach, baby. We're an inner, people in Orange County, that's stuff white people like, okay? <laughs> we are in Long Beach, and we like to say we are a ghetto church, and that's, to quote Jerry Maguire, that's what I totally dig about you, man. That's why we are the way we are. Because we know that being polished doesn't matter. What really matters is people meeting with God. In fact, really, if you want to take refuge Long Beach, I can save myself a whole talk here by just telling you, just take Jesus' speech to the Pharisees and reverse engineer it. You put obstacles in people's way to find God. Refuge is about, hey man, come as you are, find him, make a beeline to Jesus. We're taking roadblocks out, look at us, we're knuckleheads, right? We can barely even get a service right, but that doesn't matter, you can know Jesus, amen? That's what it's about. Just reverse engineer, go back, this is your homework assignment, go to Matthew, is it chapter 23? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Read that chapter and reverse engineer it and you'll have refuge Long Beach. Amen? Okay, so here we go. So if you're looking for another type of church, back in the early days when we first started, I would give people my John Wayne, you know, listen up pilgrims. I'd give them my blood, sweat, and tears speech, like Winston Churchill did. But what a blood, sweat, and tears speech does during the Blitz in London in World War II, what that did is it actually gave the British people resolve, like, yeah, let's fight. Let's take on the kingdom of darkness. Let's get this done. And so when we first met over at Emmanuel Presbyterian Church, I gave my eat my flesh and drink my blood speech like Jesus did to a big crowd. We had a big crowd. We had like 80 people, 85 people that turned up when I first got there. A lot of people are like, oh, Peyton's back from Europe. Let's come. And, and I knew there were other people that were coming like, hey, this is close to my house. And I was like, these people aren't going to last because no church should be about a guy's preaching gift and no church should be about how close he lived to it. A church should be about mission. That we are going into the place where church is needed, right? It's not a country club for Christians. It's a mission station. Like C.T. Studd said, who once said, some, live, some wish to live within the sound of church and steeple bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. We're a mission station. And so because we're a mission station, here's the deal. If you're coming in, when I give those speeches, I'd say, if you expect church to be this, you know, forget about it. If you expect church to be this, forget about it. And what I was doing was painting a picture of the churches that people would come from. People going, when are we going to start this ministry and that ministry? And when are we going to, hey, we don't have the resources. We don't have the time. We're about two things, glorifying Jesus and reaching lost people. Everything else is secondary. If we get those things one day, great. But here's the deal. Remember David when he was taken on Goliath and they, they put Saul's armor on him and he's swimming in it and he's like, this doesn't fit me. That's what a lot of church plants do. They try to put the trappings of the big mega church on themselves and they try to be like a mega church. But what it usually looks like is a failing mega church because you're small. And we said from the very beginning, we're not out to be a mega church. We are more about reach than we are size. We want to reach the ones nobody's reaching. And if we're going to reach the ones nobody's reaching, we're going to have to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. 
And I think I, I, I've been having you guys pray for Stanton. They launched out of a motel off Beach Boulevard last Sunday morning. And you got to go on my Facebook wall and look at it. Nobody wants to plant in Stanton. They had a woman stand up and share her testimony, ex-murderer, ex-prostitute. I mean, she brought the gospel during testimony time. She stood up and people were like, there weren't nobody worse than her. And she was part of the core team. And they did some damage. People have been getting saved in Stanton over the last few weeks. So keep praying. You have a sister church. They're a new breed church as well. A guy named Paul Percy from an, uh, an established, respectable church in uh, Huntington Beach, off Warner and Beach. You know, the one with the big Christian school, any of you from Huntington Beach? So that's where he's from. So he's respectable, unlike us. But what David said is he said, look, I, I can't fight the enemy in all these trappings, all this ill-fitting armor. You know, just give me a rock in the Holy Spirit, man, and I'll charge the enemy. That's all we need. All we need, guys, is the gospel and the Spirit of God, and we can charge the giant, and we can slay. We can bring down the enemy in this area as he stomps back and forth, saying, I own Long Beach. I own these people. We've already taken prisoners of war. We've already seen captives set free. But what you have to do at the outset, and then also as you continue to go, is you have to maintain the right priorities. That's what Paul was talking about here in this passage where he goes, hey, look, I laid a foundation and some of you guys are trying to lay other foundations, Paul says. I don't feel that about you at all. But Paul says, look, there's no other foundation that can be laid except for Christ. And so I'm going to give you today some mantras. Some of you are going to smile because you're going to remember these mantras being uh, tossed about in the very beginning. And you know that mantras exist in the Bible. Did you know that? Um, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's called the Shema. Um, that's a mantra, right? There, there are mantras in the Bible that God wanted them to say certain prayers, you know. Um, the Lord uh, endures forever. His love, his steadfast love endures forever. That's a mantra. There are mantras in the scripture that you're meant. Shalom is a mantra, right? Amen, amen was a mantra. Let it be true, let it be true. Those things are mantras. And so I want to give you a mantra, not like a Middle Eastern mantra. Don't get weird on me. But Paul says things like this. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, then we shall rule with him. Right? That's a saying. That's a mantra. Right? Remember when he says, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. If we deny him, that, that's a mantra. So I'm going to give you some mantras. You ready? Okay. So uh, what you may not realize is that during, during the weeks that I was here, um, I, I would give you mantras during announcements, and people would say, man, you are the suckiest announcement giver ever, <laughs> right? Now, now, Chris and I probably suck at it. That's why they don't let us do it very often. But here's the deal. What we're doing when we're doing it is we're vision casting. We're reminding you of what we're all about. So I don't think I ever stood up here and said, guys, we got a bake sale on Tuesday, 10 o'clock. See you there. Whenever I give announcements, something like this. Because I think that's an important time to cast vision. See if you can, can, can watch for it in future. Guys, we believe at this church. Boom, boom, boom. And part of why what we do what we do. So we got this coming up. It all comes back to why we're here. You know, we had people ask us years ago, can we start a women's study? And we, we were like, well, we're not opposed to it. But my gosh, starting a women's study in a, in a women and children's shelter? 
all about it. There's a reason to start a women's study. Amen? Because it has to do with the mission. See, here's one of the deals. Christians today just going to church, putting their butts in a seat, staring at the back of each other's head and listening to one guy talk, they get bored. It's good to listen to a guy preach. But if that's all you're doing, you get bored. And then the pastor comes along and goes, oh, wait a second. Um, We want you to uh, do some church chores too. That's what you need to do. You do church chores, you won't be bored. So the believer does church chores. But that's not using your spiritual gifts necessarily, unless you have the gift of serving. Praise God if you jump in and do a church tour because it needs to be done. This church has never been about church tours. We have our share of servants, but those servants who are hauling the truck, who are setting up the sound, who are setting up tables, who are serving food, I can guarantee you they're doing it for one reason, mission. This is part of reaching people in Long Beach, right? C.T. Studd said, I'll go down into the deepest, darkest hole if you hold the rope for me. And that's holding the rope. I want you to remember that. When you're serving that breakfast, you're making it at home, you're going, I can't see another egg. (laughs) There's someone on the other side of that who's going to come in here, and they're going to have a conversation over the breakfast you made for the first time maybe with a Christian. They're going to get saved. Mantra one, you can't take your pets to war. We've picked a fight with the enemy by coming here. Do you realize that? We picked a fight with him. You ever seen Braveheart, that scene? He's getting ready to ride off into the field of battle. And and one of his men says, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to pick a fight. See, when we came here, we basically put a, a bullseye on our chest. Maybe you noticed that, that you came to Refuge Long Beach and your life started falling apart. You remember back in the early days, you used to come here, and maybe if you came here and I was here, I'd shake your hand and say, welcome to the team, and I'm sorry. <laughs> and they say, why? And I'd say, because your whole life's going to fall apart. But you are about to see things here that you've only read about in the book of Acts. You can either read the book about someone else, or you can get in the movie. And when you come to Refuge Long Beach, you get to get in the movie. Every single person here is either on their way to God, meeting with God, or growing deeper in their relationship with God. And you get to be a part of all three of those right now. I believe that people in Refuge Long Beach, if there's a mail room in heaven, a post office in hell, if there's a picture of those that go, most wanted, take these down at all possible price. Remember that battle in the Old Testament where the king of Assyria says, to his archers, reserve your arrows for the generals. Only for the generals. Take out their leaders. Guys, here's the funny thing about Refuge Long Beach. Our leadership is a bit fuzzy. It's probably very biblical. Again, we believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead to another one of our mantras. I'm really, I'm really messing this up. I'm not talking about my first mantra. I'm skipping ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with another mantra. Can I do that? Can I shift gears? Can I change? Jesus is the senior pastor here. You need, to, you need to just think about that for a second. When you have a team leadership, it means that nobody, Chris, me, I, I, I've never served so well with anyone as I have Chris. 
That man has no ego. I mean, he is a servant of Jesus. He loves Jesus. You can talk to Chris. My gosh. I, I wish. This is my favorite church I've ever planted, by the way. I wish that I could be here all the time. But it's not what God's called me to do. But here's what I'm going to say. The beauty about a team leadership is once you have a team leadership, it's not about the leadership anymore. It's not about one guy going, hey, check me out. Check out my gifting. Check out what I do. A team leadership has hardwired into its DNA that it's not about me. It's about us. Really, it's about Jesus and Jesus being exalted. And then Jesus, because he's exalted and he's on high, he sent down his spirit. Remember Ephesians? When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. There's this victorious, he is risen. He is the head of the church. He is leading us this morning. That's why we don't take ourselves very seriously. But we take him very seriously. Very seriously. He is our everything. And and, and here's what you got to know about our leadership. We don't vote. We have a team leadership. We don't vote. We get together, we discuss, we talk. And we wait until we either agree on something We all feel like we hear the voice of Jesus, like recently. We have a prophetic guy on our team. He doesn't know he's prophetic. We don't usually tell people that. But the team was going back and forth about something. We were at the Langham's, and we're trying to figure out what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And this is going to be risky. And one guy spoke up and turned the meeting on a dime with one statement. And everyone in the room went, huh. And it was like, it was the problem. But he just put it in such a way, everybody at that moment heard the voice of Jesus speaking to the leadership team. We all went, that's the Lord. Like we actually expect God to speak to us as a leadership. Does that make sense? We don't, it's not like, here's my vision. My vision is this, and you must all conform to it. The mighty Oz has spoken. (laughs) Ooh, no, but... I would like to be the, the Oz the Great and Powerful. It would really help my short man syndrome. Can you imagine that? No tripping up the stage, just a giant green head. Hey! But Jesus is the senior pastor, man. You got to know we take that so seriously. And we're on mission with him. We literally believe that Jesus is just passionate about the people around this place. And that shapes everything we do. So you can't, Jesus is senior pastor, mantra one. Number two, you can't take your pets to work. There, right, we got back to it. So, so what will happen is people will try to make the church about anything other than what it's really about. So if it's about Jesus and glorifying him, and if it's about reaching lost people, and you know, I read that somewhere in the scripture, uh, that some guy, they asked him, what are the two most, well, what's the most important thing? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And there's a second, a bonus. I'm going to throw in the second most important with this. It's linked to the first. That if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what we're all about. Loving Jesus. Lifting the name and fame of Jesus as high as we possibly can. And then number two, loving our neighbor. And if you've ever read the parable of the Good Samaritan, the moral of that story is your neighbor is whoever comes across your path. You don't get to pick who your neighbor is. 
don't get to pick and choose. One of the reasons that, that we don't say in this church that we feed the homeless is because that's really paternalistic. That is somehow putting you on a higher level than someone who doesn't have a place to live. And that's so unbiblical. What we're actually saying to people is we eat as a community and all are welcome. Do you see the difference? What we're about is loving God and that flows out of our life into the lives of everyone else. Our neighbors is Starbucks. That's why we got a recovery group starting up there with Mike Bonomo. Our other neighbor is Wilson High School, Dangerous Minds. And we're praying, God, get us into that high school. We want to start sex trafficking. Mike went to a meeting yesterday on sex trafficking. Is there a lot of that around here? These are our neighbors. We want to reach them together. Amen? So number two, I've kind of wasted a lot of time talking about this, but uh, we're a church that exists for people outside of it. Did you catch that? We are a church that exists for the people outside of it. So just know that as we're here to reach lost people, we're going to offend a lot of church people. You got to know that. And we're okay with that. You see, you have to, every church loses people. But you have to decide which ones you're willing to lose. And that can be hard sometimes. You know, Jesus had to turn his back sometimes on the religious people in order to reach the lost. That's how I got into church planning. I took a church that didn't have a pastor for 18 years. And when the Holy Spirit started busting loose, I didn't know at the time we started the Sunday evening service. We had a Sunday evening Welsh speaking service. But then they said, well, look, you know, can we do a Sunday evening English speaking service? And people started getting saved. What I didn't realize is that was actually a church plant in the making. God was moving. People were getting saved. Welsh speakers, this is the big scandal in Wales. Welsh speakers are coming over and getting saved in the English-speaking service. You don't know how serious that is. And it became a problem. And some of the leadership really took issue. This can't happen. Crazy, right? But sometimes we got these weird hang-ups in church that just make it all weird. When we were back at the school, um, there was a, a, a woman um, who got really mad at me because we had a transvestite prostitute that was coming to the church regularly. And Amanda was the name that, that, that this individual went by. And um, Amanda used the uh, ladies' room during the service, right about now in the service. And at the end, uh, the bald guy was sitting there on the bench And uh, the woman came up. She was really angry. And she said, there's a transvestite in the women's restroom. What do you want me to do? And I just, see, I love the fact you guys laugh. It just tells me who you are as a church. And I I just looked at her and I just smiled and I said, wait for her to come out. That'd probably be a good idea, right? She looked at me and went, Then she went and found another leader, hoping that she'd get another answer. At that moment, I made the decision, I know who I'm going to lose today. And I'm okay to do that. Because there are tons of churches that exist for people who would be offended by that. 
Afterwards, we went and talked to Amanda. Amanda said, yeah, you know what? I, I had my street clothes with me, and I wanted to wear something nicer to church, but I wanted to wait till no one was in the restroom, so I waited till the sermon to change. And I used the ladies because every time I've ever used a men's room, I've gotten beaten up. I want to be the church where cross-dressing prostitutes can come to church and believers are so filled with the love of Jesus that they say, you know what, how can I help you? Right? Not, hey, you can't be in this bathroom. Get the heck out of here. Amen? You might as well take a fire extinguisher to him. What if I had said that? Take a fire extinguisher and turn it on Amanda in the bathroom. Probably would have been a more popular answer. But do you understand where I'm going? Told you that this wasn't going to be a sermon. This is going to be a little bit of a, look, I don't pastor Christians. I train and equip missionaries. And if you're going to be missionaries, you got to start thinking like a missionary. Because that day of victory was won. That day, the enemy got a hiding. Because Amanda continued to hear the gospel. So are we a mission station or a country club? John Wesley said, give me 10 men who love God more than anything and aren't afraid of anything, and I'll change the world. And guys, I long since stopped being afraid of making Christians mad to reach the lost. Because here's what happens. When we really start reaching lost people, I remember being in Wales one night. We had our, our, our home group and uh, had a community group where a bunch of brand new converts were in there, and it was, it was R-rated. The F-bomb was dropping left and right, but you know what they were saying? I effing love the Lord Jesus Christ. He's so changed my life. And, and I kid you not, there's one guy, he's effing and blinding the whole time, and then he goes, and God, he was talking about how this girl at work used to bully him, and something happened. And he basically said, God slapped that boop, upside the head for me in answer to my prayer. And he goes, I'm pretty happy about that. What was awesome is I was like, you know what? I just started grinning ear to ear, Andrea. We were just sitting there just la- like looking at each other like, this is what I had. Church gets messy when the Holy Spirit starts working. It was so beautiful, and, and, and it, was only, it was only when the C word dropped a little while later that someone went, oh, and then they looked at me and go, uh, we're not allowed to say that in church, are we? <laughs> and I remember going, you know what? And I, and I told him exactly what I was feeling. You know, it's just beautiful that you guys don't know the rules. You only know Jesus right now. And I said, you know what? God's going to clean up your language. And then I told them my testimony, how bad my mouth used to be. And I just started telling them, and they, they're just listening, just drinking in, getting discipled, real life, life on life. Mantra number four, legalism is illegal here. It's illegal. We don't, it's against the law. Okay? Legalism is a way of, of behaving like a Pharisee, feeling that somehow you are better than other people, And um, the problem is, is that none of us, grace, the cross, 
It is the great equalizer. No one in this room, and, and here's the deal. I start off in ministry as a youth pastor. That wasn't so bad. Then I went to become a psych nurse, and I kind of got this philosophy that everybody's jacked up. And then I went in, back into ministry, but this time working with adults, and it only reconfirmed what I already knew. Because when you're a pastor for a number of years, you get to learn everybody's secrets. You get to learn that people's marriages aren't what they seem to be, people's home life, people's job, people's integrity, their character. And you just realize how everybody's the same and everybody needs Jesus. And the guy who's like, I don't ever look at pornography, which, you know, I could probably say that, but for me, it's not a, it's not a pride thing. But, you know, a lot of times what I'll struggle with is I don't look at pornography, but according to statistics, 70% of you men in here do. Get your act together. You, you see what I'm saying? It, it starts becoming like a, a pride issue. That, like, I'm still jacked up. Amen? I'm still jacked up. Or maybe someone says something mean to me or something I don't like or it, goes, it comes up to me this morning, which I'm sure someone said, hey, I didn't like what you said this morning. I'm like, oh, yeah? You take a hike, buddy. You know, rather than just being gracious. And, well, you know, I don't like half of what I say half the time either. That's Okay. You, you know what I'm saying? We're all jacked up. We all need Jesus. And when we first started, I remember saying to the church, there's going to come a time where you're going to realize that I'm jacked up. And I'm telling you now, I'm jacked up. So when you come to me later and you're like, we're leaving the church because you're jacked up, I'll be like, okay, I'm surprised you lasted as long as you did. It took you that long to figure it out. I told you in the beginning I was jacked up. But this all comes back to a key thing. Grace is the great leveler. See, when we have grace, when the cross of Jesus Christ comes in and fills this room, people begin to drop the mask. When people begin to drop the mask, life change begins to happen because you guys begin to get involved. You know, someone finally cracks and goes, I'm depressed and I'm on antidepressants and I have such a hard time getting And someone goes, you know what? Is anyone praying with you over this? Can I, can I be there for you? Can I pray with you? Can I talk like, do you have any? I have no one to talk to. Brother, let's get together once a week for coffee and chat. That's when it starts changing. Or someone says, you know, I'm too harsh on my kids. And I know, I, I start yelling at them. All of a sudden, I'm in this red zone. I'm like, why am I yelling at my kids? This has to be abusive. But at church, you don't talk about that. When we start getting involved in each other's lives, the mask comes down, we can be real. That's when the Holy Spirit rushes in. That's why I said earlier, Christians are bored because they're not feeling the Holy Spirit ministering through them. That's why you're sitting around coffee tables. That's why you're looking at each other. Because at a certain point today, you get to talk to each other. I know that weird some people out and we had to make a decision. We won't reach everybody this way. But life change will happen for people who can hang it, right? Almost done. I just, I, I totally chunked this one up. Mantra number four, five, six. I lost count now because they're out of order. What would the early church do? So if you've been here, you know that we got a lot of scrambling. By the way, we could always use people to do church chores. We want you to use your gifts, but church chores are good too. So here's the deal. <laughs> I had to throw that in there, right? 
But here's the deal. We have a lot to get done every Sunday morning to set up, to do breakfast. We, we probably, for a little church, take on a big bite. We got clothes, we got food, we got all kinds of stuff that we're doing. We got set up. But we have this saying, what would the early church do? Because sometimes this stuff breaks down. Sometimes the projector doesn't work, especially the old one. We're okay with that. There'll be a day you guys will come here, and for some reason the trailer didn't make it. And we don't have anything. And that's okay. Because the way that we operate is this, that early church didn't have any of this crap. Only three, here's the other one on the tail end of it. Only three things need to happen. If you've been here, you've heard me say this a million times. Only three things need to happen this morning to call it church. Number one, we need to hear from God. Number two, God needs to hear from us. And number three, we need to hear from each other. Those three things happen, I think it's been a good day. I think we've heard from God, he's heard from us, and we've heard from each other. We can go home now. That's pretty good. Amen? So when everything, and I, I, you guys will hear this from time to time being here, when things don't go right, don't get stressed out. Don't freak out. Don't get mad. Don't start getting, just look at each other, laugh and smile and go, what would the early church do? Right? They didn't have any of this. Because that's not why we're here. We're not here to put banners up. We're not here to put signs outside. We're not here to put crud up on the stage. We're not here to run a perfect service. We are here to let people meet with God unhindered. Amen? Well, last thing, and it's not really in my uh, notes, but I want to close by saying this. I brag about you guys because... As my presence here has been less and less, Chris and I have been talking about, well, who, who should we recruit? Now, the weird thing is we had some money, and we're like, hey, we want to recruit you, and we want to pay you. And we have cycled through a number of people that we just said, hey, let's just start talking. And at a certain point, Chris and I started realizing, I think our team's here. I think we're here. Normally, when you tell people you pay them to be in ministry, it's kind of a big deal. But I think the Lord has just been saying, you have a team. And I tell people, the team in Long Beach are absolute gospel animals. I went out during the worship, just real quick, just to go look around the park and to pray. As I went out there, I saw two people walking around talking to people. And I knew they were just going out there inviting people before the sermon, just checking if they're okay. Hey, do you want some breakfast? You know, we got to, do you want to, do you want to hear the guys getting ready? I knew what they were doing because this team here are gospel animals from day one. That's what we did. And it's reproduced over. This is what I'm saying. It is the biggest compliment to me that you guys have begun to take that and own that, that you are now building on the foundation with things as Paul says, with gold, jewels, and costly stones. Stuff that's going to last. Because it's to lift up the name of Jesus. It's to spread his name and fame and to reach lost. 
to seek and save the lost. I tell people when they go, oh, Refuge Long Beach, I've heard a little bit about that. What's it like? And I always tell them, it's a church Jesus would go to. It's a church where Jesus could meet with the tax collectors, the sinners, all in any are welcome. There's not a shred of Phariseeism there. The gospel of the grace of God is preached regularly. The death and resurrection of Jesus is regularly preached here. And it will always continue to be preached here. The word of God is faithfully held up as divinely inspired, faultless. But there's action to go with it. It's not just words. It's people laying down their lives for the lost. At the end of the day, guys, with Refuge Long Beach, as you know, we've reproduced. We've cycled out of ourselves. We planted one, two. We planted a number of churches out of here. And what happens when you do that is your first stringers, they're gone. And then your second stringers, they're gone. And then your third stringers, they're gone. And then you look to the bench. You use them. And then you go, our bench is empty. And then you look in the stands. You guys, we need you. Your fans, right? Your fans of Jesus? Okay, we need you to be more than, than fans of Jesus right now. We need you to come play. We need you to join the team. That has been the story of Refuge Long Beach. I am telling people right now, and they're asking me about church planning. I tell them, I go, you know what? They have taught me as much as I've taught them. Because what I've learned from Refuge Long Beach is how to look at leaders now and leadership development. I told you that's my passion. Used to be that I would tell guys, come with me to Refuge Long Beach and I'll train you up to be a church planner. I've changed a little bit since then. Now, when we hit this crunch, we sat as a leadership team. I think we were in Steve Gibbs' house and we said, what if? Because we noticed something happening. We noticed that we weren't getting the guy out of seminary. We weren't getting the guy out of Bible college. We weren't getting the guy who was like, I want to be a preacher and a pastor one day. We weren't getting those. We were just noticing that if people were given opportunity to use their gifts, they would. And they became leaders. We have COGS. DJ wanted to start up a, a COG, and, and it, he didn't know it was a COG. We, all of our leadership's like, don't tell DJ it's a COG. Don't tell him it's a COG. It's a COG. We're like, if we tell him it's a COG, he'll quit. He's like, don't, 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 don't. He, we, we kept saying, do you want to start a COG? You know, he's like, no, 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 no. So when he came to us and said, look, I want to start a prayer meeting Saturday morning for people to pray. We're like, Cool. Um, go for it, man. And so some of our guys went, and sometimes people don't go, but sometimes people do go. And it's a cog. Alex. Alex like, you know what? I want to do a cog in the park because that was home for me. We're like, well, you know, that's where cogs ought to be. It's in people's homes. Bixby Park is people's homes. And when as a leadership team, we came together in closing, we said, what if instead of looking at people like we used to, oh, you look like you're a leader, let's invest in you. What if instead we started looking at everybody as a leader? Every single person in this room is a potential leader. 
and we started just pouring into them. It would probably look a lot like something that happened 2,000 years ago where Jesus took the most unlikely candidates, 12 men, none of them ministry aspirants, none of them aspiring to be preachers or religious leaders. He just found them and said, hey, come here, come with me. Paul, going through Asia Minor, picking guys up. What if we did that? And we discipled ordinary people into extraordinary disciples who made extraordinary disciples. That's the game, right? That's what we were told to do. Preach a gospel, make disciples. So you guys have to know that is Refuge Long Beach. We want you in the game. We don't just want You're sitting at a table. Take it. Share. Share the gospel. Use your spiritual gifts. Use them in conversations. Use them in serving. Use them however and wherever. It doesn't matter if you're one day old in Jesus. He'll use you. Spirit of God will flow through you to any and all who are willing to lift up his name and fame. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your gospel. We thank you for the death of Jesus, which symbolizes grace, the great leveler, Lord, that we are all equal in your eyes and nobody's better than anyone else. And Lord, as we share this time this morning, Lord, we pray that we would know that your grace is the reason we can be used. Because Jesus died on the cross, that veil was ripped open. It wasn't the picture that we could go to heaven, could go to you, but it was so that you could come out of that temple and through the Holy Spirit and dwell each and every one of us. Because you no longer saw the stain of sin on us, there was no guilt, you took it away, that you could fill us with your Holy Spirit and you could channel your heart through us on mission. You could actually flow through us, use us, empower us, equip us to share the gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ with others. Lord, I pray that you would anoint this body to be a body ministry, to be a real united team. Lord, we're so excited about what you're doing in the women's shelter. We're excited about what you're going to be doing in that Starbucks. And Lord, we're excited about what you'll do in the university campus, in Wilson High School. Lord, in this park, Lord, these are our neighbors. And we love you so much, Lord, that we cannot ignore them. And I pray, Jesus, today that each person would factor themselves in today and say, you know what, I'm here. And the foundation in my heart is Jesus. That foundation was laid strongly. Everything that we talked about today, all those points are things that were learned from watching his leadership. Things that we've gleaned from the scripture, Lord, from who you are and how you operated, how you led your people and how you continue to lead us. And we ask Jesus, you would continue to lead Refuge Long Beach as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. 
We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music